it is 5 p.m. and you're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM here in Kingston, Ontario. This is the Kingston Curator and I'm your host, Chris. This week we have another artist in residence from the Kingston Grand. This is the third in our little four-part series. Jan LeClaire took the Regina Rosen Auditorium from July 4th to 8th playing the accordion along with her trio, Aster Fire. She gives all the details on her experience at the Grand, how she got her start in music, and she also brought her accordion along for a little demo. So without delay, let's get right into the interview. Okay, so would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, listeners. I'm Jan LeClaire. I'm a Kingston-based musician, primarily accordion, although I do play some other instruments, and I've lived here for 20 years. Awesome. And so you just did the residency at the Kingston Grand. Yes. But I, I did. figured first we just get into you and how you got into music so people know what's up. So, how, where context. would you say yeah. you got your start in music? Well, I, uh, you know, it is early childhood, like many of us. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it was, you know, I started accordion lessons at five. And then I started piano lessons at seven and, you know, music theory. And I did all of that early childhood stuff. And, you know, my parents shuttling me to lessons and concerts and various things. I played in a youth symphony that was um, straddled. I grew up in the border town just outside of Windsor. So it straddled Windsor and Detroit. And I was always off to something musically. So when I got my license at 16, my parents were pretty happy. I played in a polka band in high school uh, named Edelweiss. Doesn't get any more traditional than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my elementary school, and I'll say quote in friends, used to call me Salami Olive because, well, I played the accordion, but I have Italian heritage, so it's not that big of a leap uh, to play the accordion. And my family, as several of the uncles from the old country played, and... <laughs> And then I did bury the accordion for several decades and just stuck with mm-hmm. piano primarily, as many of us, I think, did uh, in the 70s, 60s and 70s. It was very much about blending in and not being uh, an ethnically, um, mm-hmm. n- you know, a noticeable person. And so, um, yeah, I even tried to sell the darn thing once and put, <laughs> didn't even get one call. So it was destined, <laughs> although I hauled it all over the country when I moved around, I had a bit of wanderlust and... And it was destined to come back into my life. So I, I rebirthed it, you know, um, as an adult after several decades of not playing it. And, you know, um, it is the mainstay of what I do now, which is kind mm-hmm. of miraculous, but wonderful. Oh, you mentioned um, the accordion as being part of your heritage. Did anyone else in your family play or encourage you to play? Well, my my, my both my parents came from ethnic homes. My dad mm-hmm. from French Canadian and um, my mom from an Italian home. And sure, they were very encouraging. My older brother played the accordion as well, but he didn't like it. <laughs> and so I inherited his accordion eventually. So I play a, I, I play mostly a newer accordion that I bought in Italy, a Pigini Preludio 72 bass. But I still have my vintage 120 <laughs> bass Titano from the 60s, and it's still a beast. It weighs 25 pounds and it's it rocks when, you know, makes the earth move when uh, when you hold that thing in and out. So you've given us the early start, but yeah. um, later on you went on to get a BA in musical therapy. So yes, do I, you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I have a circuitous route in my life, but no learning is lost. Is <laughs> So hopefully that's an inspiration to anybody listening in. But, you know, I started off um, doing a... a music education degree at Western Ontario and and it wasn't for me so I pulled out in second year 
I thought I was going to be a teacher. I didn't want to be a teacher after all. My father had been a secondary school teacher, so, you know, and my mom worked in the elementary school system. So I was from a, a family of educators, but nevertheless, I just needed a lot of time to figure that out. So I did go. I moved to the West Coast, did a bachelor of music therapy um, in what is now Capilano University, and... Um, and hung up my shingle in Vancouver and worked mostly in the Lower Mainland in the three boards of education. Um, they would contract me to work with children with special needs. Um, and I also worked with um, children with, you know, psychological and behavioral problems. I worked in palliative care. I worked in adult psych. I worked in uh, seniors care homes and um, patients with advanced Alzheimer's and victims of stroke. I also did uh, pain management. The the local chapter of the um, Children's uh, Rheumatoid Arthritis Society would hire me every summer to go to their camp because kids with um, severe arthritis often have a lot of pain and that pain scares them and they wake up at night frightened about their pain and they have trouble getting themselves back to sleep. So I used to teach relaxation and sleeping um, you know, uh, techniques to these kids to get themselves to relax, to go back to sleep again. And um, so it was a really wide, varying, um, different kind of lifestyle, you know, uh, working with lots of different kinds of people with needs and promoting health. That's really what it's about. It's, it's like occupational therapy. And there's a variety of tools that any OT would use, but a music therapist uses music as his or her mm -hmm. singular tool, yeah. but in different capacities. And, and in working in those schools, I, you know, a decade after I'd left my Bachelor of Education in Music, I returned and went to Teachers College and came home to Queens because it was a, a program that a girlfriend who I, whose opinion I really trusted had gone to Queens and said, Jen, you will love it at Queens. <laughs> and I did. And I loved it. And I got a job right away. And so I was working as a teacher for, for years. And then I went into administration and I did that until the end of December 2020 and then I retired and and it allowed me to rebirth again some of my music in a more fuller extent including the new trio Astrofire which was part of the residency with me. Yeah absolutely and then I've also seen that you like to incorporate a lot of storytelling yes. into your pieces. Would you like yes. to get into that? Well sure I mean I think it's you know I don't play pieces that most people know and neither does the trio so you know that was some common ground between all three of us was building context for the audience, and then trying to put disparate pieces together that otherwise you wouldn't necessarily see how they would fit on a program. Um, and so by telling story, then people have that aha moment and they realize how you've connected in a major program and made it a, you know, a bit of a work of art that you're presenting in that moment. Mm -hmm. And whether it's, you know, the story that goes inside an EP that you, you know, script and put it inside the, whether it's the CD or it comes with your band camp download or whatever it is you decide to do with your music. It's still a, a way of connecting pieces together for people so they understand your body of work. Awesome. Yeah. And you've actually brought your recording with you. I did. If you'd like to do a little audio tour. Sure, I can do that. I, I, I do a little accordion pedagogy uh, mm -hmm. 101. I can do a quick version and those listeners who have a bit of music background will pick it up right away and those who don't might be intrigued and and I'm humming and hawing at some point in my retirement should I do 
you know, accordion lessons for all those closet accordion players out there who have Uncle Angus's or Uncle Peter's accordion <laughs> or aunt's, you know, their aunt's accordion or grandfather's or sitting in a closet, I hope, and not the attic. And uh, sure, I'd love mm -hmm. to give a little bit of that. Awesome. So free intro course plus, you yeah. know, tease for the future. That's maybe. right. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a plan. Okay, so Jana's all strapped in to her accordion. Would you like to give us a little tour? <laughs> sure, I will. So um, the I'm going to start with the Italian word for the accordion, which is fisarmonica, because the word harmonica is something that everybody knows. And this is basically a lap harmonica. So it uses air, and I'm going to, I have a little air button, and I'm going to push it here. And it sounds like wind. So that basically I'm pulling those bellows in and out and it's the air that's going to make the reeds sound. Just like when you blow on a harmonica or you suck on a harmonica. Mm -hmm. Now a harmonica will give you two tones when you go in and out. Whereas the, my accordion is a piano accordion. A diatonic accordion would give you those two different tones when you pull the bellows in or, or pull them out. But mine is the same. So I'm going to just play. That's out and that's in. And that's out. And that's in. And so it's the same note. And what I have in the right hand looks like a piano and it's got some fancy, beautiful grill work and some glitzy keys and things. And I have some buttons on this side. And basically the, the accordion uh, is only really as good as the length of my arm. So in order to mm -hmm. extend it the way a piano keyboard would be extended, they have these different buttons in the front that you can push. So um, this is the typical accordion sound. There's my lowest note and there's my highest note. But if I want to play higher sounds, I, I have to change the register. So if I push another button, then there's the lowest note on the higher register and there's the highest note. So I get basically twice as many octaves. And then I have other little fancy buttons here. So if I want to play French sounds, for instance, like a cafe in Europe. Um, and then I have another one, which I call my, my sort of jazz accordion. And so that's kind of the right hand. It's pretty straightforward. And then there's the left hand, which is a series of buttons in rows and columns, and you're never supposed to cheat and look. And there's some buttons that are actual notes, and I'll play a scale here. And I can play uh, basically a major scale in any key that I want, all the sharps and all the flats. And then I have what's called chords. Um, if you've studied a little bit of music, we call that uh, a major chord. If you haven't studied, we'll call it the happy chord. And there's the C bass and there's the happy chord. And then the next chord out is the sad chord or the minor chord. And then working away from the accordion, away from the bellows, the next is my seventh chord, which is kind of a jolly chord. And then this one I call that it's the diminished chord or it's confusing. Bit of confusion. What's next? What's next? So I have G, G major, G minor, G seventh, G diminished, and D, D major, D minor, D seventh. And then I have a little another button that gives me a, a me. So do me, do me, do re me. And that's the counter bass button. So I can make a nice little bass pattern. And then it's always not just bass chord chord, bass chord, chord. I can vary it up if I'm playing a little waltz. And 
and that's a very simple waltz just to illustrate the left hand. And basically, the left hand of the accordion is the rhythm section. It's a one-man band. It's the drums. It's the bass. It's the rhythm guitar. It's the chord guitar. And then the right hand can either choose to play those chords along with it, if I'm accompanying other people, that there's lots of people in a band, or it can play melody lines. So... <laughs> That's the chords, chords in the right hand and chords in the left hand. I can play a melodic line in the right hand and keep that chording pattern going in the left. And that's basically <laughs> how it works. There's lots going on, which is why it takes a little bit while to, to get it all down, the coordination. And although people think it's really about pushing the right buttons, it's really all about your bellow control. If you have great bellow control, you will be a great accordion player. If you don't pay attention to how you pull and push, just like a singer, how they how they take that sound in, how they support their sound, and how they project that sound out is everything. Mm -hmm. um, because the note is just the note. It's what are you going to do beyond the note. And, and that's basically the 101. <laughs> it's a fantastic little course we just got here. When you said, okay, now the other hand, I was like, there's a whole other hand because yeah, <laughs> there's, there's so much to hand. think about. And yeah. then I wish people could see um, for your left hand, all the buttons, because you have basically all the keys on a piano here. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, it's just so many buttons and you're not supposed to look. No, nope. that's crazy. Because <laughs> your, your mind has a way of imagining how those buttons are sitting and how your fingers sit on them. And if you look at it, it gives you the reverse. Mm -hmm. And so then you can't imagine once you get off of watching where your fingers really are. Um, mm -hmm. it'd, be, it'd be horrible to sit and play in a mirror. Like you really just have to learn. It's called location. When you're jumping mm -hmm. around, you have to be able to jump around without looking and knowing that you're going to land in the right spot and where you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And I love mm -hmm. how dynamic it is as well. You showed all the different genres you can do. That's right. That's so right. Neat. Yeah. I mean, you can, it can be a really, it can be a very romantic, um, um, a piece, um, uh, here's a, a very popular little riff from uh, Sous le ciel de Paris, which is a really classic French cafe song. I mean, it, it just sets the scene, right? It's the, mm -hmm. it's the introduction of the piece and then on it goes. And then you can also get um, uh, a lot of mystery, which is really interesting. Um, and I'm doing a bellows shake here by sort of vibrating the keyboard back and forth and back and it makes the bellows go shake. remove these bellows in and out and up and down and it gives all these different nuances to the keys and, and makes the piece much more evocative, emotional, emotive and interesting. Mm -hmm. and, and then uh, uh, here I'm going to move the mic away. I'm going to blast it for a minute oh, okay. and, and I can also play, you know, um, uh, you know, fast, up tempo, loud, the whole bit.
So I figured we'd pivot and talk about your residency sure. at the Kingston Grand. Yeah. Yeah. So what inspired you to apply for it? Well, I, I was the lucky collaborator with one of last summer's first residencies at the Grand. They had, I think, seven, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and Gary Raspberry, who's a local children and family musician, invited me to be a collaborator. And that's how I found out about it because, well, I, I just hadn't heard. It was COVID still and, um, you know, word of mouth was, I guess, spreading through the art scene here in Kingston. And so when I was doing, participating in that week, I inquired, were they going to do it again? And I heard yes. And I heard when approximately you start looking for the applications. So, you know, come February, I was online scouting around with the city and the grand and, and lo and behold, there they were. Um, this trio, um, two people from the trio who I asked to collaborate with me and who agreed to do so, we had only been playing together for like four to six weeks. We were brand, we knew one another, but we had come together, um, with the idea of forming a new trio and it was brand new. So, um, uh, you know, I said, here's this thing, here's this thing. We won't know for a couple of months, you know, if we are successful, can people, commit to clearing their plates because I mean mm -hmm. it's such an opportunity and we all agree that we could do that and then lo and behold we were successful and we're thankful to the selection committee for you know reading our project and seeing it uh, in all its glory and it was really a creation project um, we had our first gig as a trio two weeks following the residency so the residency was really a time for us to refine our music and our set that we wanted to do to sort of welcome Welcome Astor Fire to the world. It's a bit like giving birth in its own way, and it comes with some stress. And, you know, you invite your family and friends, and other people just show up, and you hope for the best. And it was a great gig. And we basically spent, uh, I mean, the guys at the Grand and the women teased us a little bit. Like, we were the hardworking band. Uh, we used every nanosecond. We rehearsed seven hours a day. We took, you know, a lunch break, and that was pretty much it. And, um, and we used the great... Uh, expertise of the tech people there, which was wonderful. Uh, I did rent some a four-track piece of recording equipment from Long the McQuaid and and hooked it into the sound system as well. So then we could also record ourselves, listen to ourselves, and analyze our sound and listen to our balance and sort of critique what we were doing because most of the pieces, almost all of the pieces that we play as a trio, are our arrangements of either a trad piece. Um, putting together a medley of trad pieces or neo-trad pieces. And by trad, I mean classic, you know, sort of fiddle and dance tunes. Um, Scottish, Irish, English, uh, Canadian, French Canadian, English Canadian, East Coast mostly. But um, we're putting together even post-residency uh, a new Quebecois fiddling medley. But we wanted to hear back what we were doing and, and, and see, you know, oh, is the line doubled? And it makes it too complex here and, and gets muddy or is there not enough happening and it drops back too much compared to what we did before you know do we want the energy to climb from the beginning to the end do we want the energy to climb and then dip and then climb again toward the end what do we want to do with these pieces mm -hmm. and sometimes you think you're doing something and then you listen to yourself back and it doesn't sound anything like what you'd hoped for so then you're back at the drawing board but that's the critical analysis of of any artist is analyzing your work and of listening really really as I said with critically to it and deciding you know um we decided as a trio very well and it wasn't our egos it wasn't the musicality of one another we were going to critique it was what we were producing mm -hmm. and was it working for all of us and we we operate 
pretty much on a consensus because what else is there to do when there's just three <laughs> people? And we want everybody to play tunes that A, you're happy to play, B, you really like, C, you know, speak to you, and, and, and I guess D, that you have something to say with this piece. Um, and, and each one of us brings some of those tunes forward all the time, and, and it's just this refinement. And then also deciding, you know, what, what's the gig going to be? Is it going to be an outdoor gig like we played at Confederation Basin for um, late July, or is it going to be a restaurant gig? Is it going to be, you know, a passive audience that passes you by? They might sit for 10 minutes and then keep going. Is it going to be an audience that's going to sit and listen to you actively? Are they going to be musical people? Are they going to be the general public? Like, and, and then constructing your sets accordingly, because you have to think about that as an artist, and um, you want to catch the right tone. So we're also working on pieces and have refined them that we haven't played yet because that right gig hasn't come up, but they're in the repertoire as well. So that's basically what we did. And we got to know one another's playing style better. We rehearse basically just two hours a week on Sunday mornings. Mm -hmm. And that's great, but it's not a lot of time when you think of, you know, the time that bands spend together learning to coordinate each other's playing and anticipating what somebody's going to do with something. And I wouldn't say we're totally at that stage, but we're farther along in that journey than we were before the residency, for sure. Pretty much all the artists I've spoken to so far from the residency were like, yeah, we met 20 minutes before and then we put it together. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm loving the spontaneity of it all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, we, yeah, we certainly have some spontaneity, but we're trying, our Astrofire is trying to really carve out some um, between the places that you might hear other groups play. So we don't want to play the most popular trad tunes. We don't want to play the most popular salon tunes or art art music tunes. And art music being more classically oriented music that was usually composed between, say, 1850 and 1950, usually for a small boutique audience. Um, it could be foray, it could be satie, um, um, those, they, they wrote a lot of smaller vignette tunes. They're not symphonies. They're not concertos. Um, uh, Astor Piazzolla, I would put in that category as well. A lot mm -hmm. of classical musicians play Astor Piazzolla. We're trying to play some pieces by him that, that aren't in the, are in the less common repertoire of his, of his performances. There are some pieces that are played over and over and over again. We also take some, uh, tunes like this one, um, Sati Nocien, and um, we actually put it into a 70s retro jive tune uh, vibe. And David, our, our um, uh, pianist, is he can just comp anything. Can you say, David, can you play me a tango in F? Oh, David, can you slow it down and make it a little bit sadder? You know, slow it down and make it sad. Oh, you know what? I I'm rethinking that. Can we put it in G and make it a little happier and give it a little more rev with a, a little bit more energy and a few glissandi and... And, and David will put it in G and give it a little more energy in G and put some glissandi on it. And it's just like, he can play anything we ask. Mm -hmm. And Carmen and I are delighted by that because he's like the foundation a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for him creating that atmosphere, we couldn't do it. And Nyosian is one of those cool things. Uh, I'm going to call it a, a bit of a Starsky and Hutch vibe. <laughs> I watched all, in preparation for the interview, I watched um, a little bit of Policewoman, which starred Angie Dickinson, The Mod Squad, <laughs> uh, Starsky and Hutch, Rockford Files, Columbo, all those, you know, shows I grew up as a kid uh, watching and, and hearing. And 
And it was Starsky and Hutch that sometimes captures this great vibe on their shows that often was in a den of iniquity, shall we say. <laughs> uh, and there's this cool mod jazz music, beatnik kind of style. And, and David creates this with one of our Satie tunes. And so, you know, we've gone in an entirely different place with it. It's not salon music anymore mm-hmm. at all. It's just, it's just a vibe that sort of he created by setting the piano and then Karma on her violin and me on the accordion. We just sort of rock with it, mm-hmm. returning from, you know, do the head, which means, you know, stating a theme and then doing some improvisation, which moves away from the theme, but maintains the chordal structure underneath. And then sort of returning to the head at the end, which is an unusual um, uh, medley anyway, uh, or a motif. And, and that's how we structured the piece. And, we did perform it recently, and uh, my partner Drew said it was his favorite tune out of the entire concert. So that was a big, big kudos from him. He's got a critical ear. Oh. Yeah, I love that you pull inspiration from so many places. Yeah. You're such a talented group, you can put it all together. Well, I mean, we each come with pretty diverse backgrounds, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I had my classical piano and accordion training, but... Um, I'm probably the least trained out of the three people. What I have been in is a lot of folk bands over the years, and I've done a lot of the folk scene circuit and the festival circuit across the country, Um, played a little bit in Europe, played a little bit in the United States. Um, David um, is a finely trained uh, keyboard organ player, vocal trained person. Um, He did a lot of liturgical work. He's done a master's work at uh, Memorial in folk music. They have a folk program there. And then Karma is like ultimately classically trained. Um, She's got her, I believe it's her master's in performance from Indiana State, which if you know the violin world, that's a prestigious place to be trained. And so um, all of us come from these slightly, you know, Venn diagrammatic overlap circles, but at the same time, we each bring an individual strength and love of different things and experience of different things and and uh, knock on wood it's working out really well awesome love that and then i would i'd like to ask this to the sure. residents what is your favorite memory on and off stage from the residency oh my it must be hard to pick I've got it, it is hard to pick um i think the thing i liked the most because it you know it's unique when i mean the sound was just so they spent the first morning basically tuning us up setting up on stage moving equipment around giving us each a monitor and a mic and although we we rehearse uh, acoustically slash electronically david plugs his electric keyboard in um karma plays a beautiful um classical violin but she also has an electric fiddle and then i can play the accordion acoustically but i do have microphone jacks put in my accordion um, in a small rehearsal that we would do on a Sunday, I never plug in because it's too much noise. David has to plug the piano in. Karma plays a combination of both things. At the grand, all of us were plugged in. And whether David played that beautiful concert grand on stage with microphones inserted in it or whether he played his keyboard, we could hear each other like we've never heard each other before and we'll probably not hear each other again <laughs> because it was tuned just to us. And... Mm-hmm. It was absolutely incredible to hear the quality of each other's playing while also hearing your own because your monitor's tuned for you. You know, can I have a little more violin in the monitor? And we joke about, can we have less accordion in my monitor? Because the accordion's always this big booming thing. Um, 
And often in a recording studio setting, the recording or the accordion gets shuffled off to the vestibule because it bleeds into other um, instrumental mm -hmm. sonorities because it is a one-man band thing. So it was just it was just the crystal clear ability to hear what was going on in in everyone's parts. I, I hope I'm speaking correctly for David and Karma, but certainly that was my takeaway. Um, it was just so amazing to hear that all the time and it allowed us to refine everything so much more quickly because you could just hear so mm -hmm. so beautifully oh that's beautiful yeah. and then what do you guys have coming up well uh we're we're working towards the the uh, wolf island hotel has expressed an interest in having us in the fall so mm -hmm. i think that's probably going to be our second gig and we're just refining um, sort of the full second set kind of thing in order to reach out to sort of some pubs and restaurants and um, where they have live music. Um, you know, a set at Musiki isn't out of uh, maybe the, the near future. And, and then we'll probably put together an EP. We are still, you know, we're in such early stages. Website. We have a Twitter feed at least, uh, you know, at, we're Astrofire Trio on Twitter and, um, and then, um, you know, it's, it's just getting all of that organized. So then hopefully, you know, by, oh, sort of early spring, then you're sending out stuff to festivals who might potentially be interested in having us be guests for next summer. That's sort of the 12 month, 18 month goal. Perfect. Yeah. And that's all the questions I had for you today. So thank you very much for sitting down with well, me. Well, <laughs> thanks for inviting me in and all the other residents. It's uh, I know there's there's only four residents this year, but we were grateful to the city of Kingston. So hats off to them for making this an annual thing, which is just a tremendous, tremendous opportunity for Kingston musicians. That was Jan LeClaire, one of the 2022 artists in residence at the Kingston Grand this summer. Be sure to check out at Astrofire Trio on Twitter as well as Jan LeClaire herself. Thank you for tuning in to the Kingston Curator this week and be sure to keep listening to CFRC 101.9 FM. Bye-bye.